The Paunch Stevenson Show. PaunchStevenson.com. Episode 309. Sunday, March 14th, 2021. This is The Paunch Stevenson Show. PaunchStevenson.com. Episode 309. I am Rob. You are Greg. That's right, it's my Eric Idol. <laughs> we are referring to uh, some computerized old old uh, age progressed progressed photos of us. Uh, apparently uh, in in 40 years I will look like Eric Idol. <laughs> look I will look like a hobo, so, well, which I already do, so. Eh. All right, episode 309. We have, um, by the way, we've been doing this uh, how long now? 2000. Quite a while. 15 and a half years. <laughs> uh, just about. And nobody still cares, so. Uh... Nope. <laughs> well, we, like we said the last episode. We've outlasted the, like, deadoraliveinfo.com. I think that they're dead. Yeah, I don't know. So we will have to, we'll have to make our own corner the market of uh, celebrity death website. <laughs> yeah. We'll be able to corner the market. Anyway, uh, paunchstevenson.com. We have, um, very quickly, I saw, so, um... There's a the the new streaming or new new newish streaming service Disney Plus. Yeah. Do you have that? Do you care? Yeah, I have it. You know, for Star Wars. Yeah. Was what it's Disney, Marvel, Lucas. Uh, it's all that stuff, right? Because it's all owned by Di Pixar. It's all owned by Disney. Uh yes. Yes, I don't know if they have anybody, uh, any other properties beyond that. I don't think so. So, uh, I I don't have Disney, but I have I, I you know how many streaming services could I possibly pay for? So I don't have Disney Plus, but I saw. So why are you mentioning it? I saw, because uh, I saw a movie on it. They have old, they have new stuff, old stuff, or whatever. I was at someone's house, a uh, relative, relative's house. Not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, look, I take the pandemic very seriously. This was a, a relative's house. And that seems like where it spreads, though. No, well, but we, it's someone who's not spreading anything, and it's it's a trusted. Um, we we only Are they go an Android. No. no. <laughs> I'm just saying, this person never leaves the house, we never leave the house, so we only go to each other's house. Um, and that's it. So uh, so this person has Disney+. Plus, and I'm browsing through it, and I came across Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which is a movie... Okay. It's a movie from 1989, which I never saw. I remember all the commercials when we were growing up, the commercials. Never saw it? It was a big deal. Yeah, I never saw it. So I'm like, eh, you know, we're, we're looking, hey, let's pick a movie to watch. I'm like, hey, let's watch that one. <laughs> so uh, so eh. I saw it. I saw it for the first time. So it stars Rick Moranis. Yeah. And, uh, and that's about it. <laughs> so, 
No. That's it. Uh, wait, who else? Yeah, I think that was that was the only real big star from um, from the movie. Let me. Um, yeah. Well, um, the neighbor was played by a Matt Frewer. You know, uh, Max Headroom. Oh, is that who that was? Yeah. Uh, I did not know. I did not know. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Christine Sutherland, Matt Frewer. Oh, yeah. He was. Uh, she was the uh, <clears throat> the neighbor's wife. Yeah, Marsha Strassman. Um, and the what do you call it? The um, what the daughter. Was somebody in a now I forget the name, but uh, oh, Amy, Amy O'Neill. I don't know her. I know April O'Neill. And anyway, so Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, nineteen eighty nine. First time I saw it. Yeah. And Joe uh, Johnston directed that. Joe Johnston. Who's that? I mean, he worked. He originated with uh, Lucasfilm. Um, he used to do, like, he did a lot of the motion, the stop motion stuff for them when he was younger. And then, uh, you know, he, now he's, you know, he, um, he did the Rocketeer. He's done Jurassic Park movies, Jumanji. Mm. The, the, the first Jumanji. Yes. From the 1990s. So, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a interesting movie where, it gets so spoiler alert. <laughs> Come on! But it gets <laughs> it's it's it switches back and forth between the regular world where the father and mother are. Um, they figure yes. out that so the, the the father is this quirky inventor, and he yeah. invents a shrink ray. Right, <clears throat> but as far as he knows, it's not working yet. But it ends up working by accident and shrinking the children. So, so his children and the neighbors' children. Yes. And so they're trying to get they get out of the house and they're stuck in the backyard and the first they get thrown in the garbage and then they get out of the <laughs> garbage bag and yeah. then they get stuck. They're trying to make their way back to the house and they're. Their, uh, lawnmower and uh, you know bees and, yeah. and they befriend an ant. Yeah, so they're very very tiny. They're smaller than a blade of grass, and they're traveling through the grass. And so the movie switches back and forth between the regular world, which is the neighbors and this family trying to find the children, and then it switches to the the mini world where the children are smaller than a blade of grass, and they're going through this adventure so i thought that the miniature scenes were very well done especially for the 1980s it was it was uh it was impressive i have to say (laughs) those those shots i mean the budget on it was not small yeah let's see the budget uh 18 million supposedly a decent amount for back then supposedly um, and then yeah, two two hundred twenty, almost two hundred twenty three million uh, worldwide box yeah. office. But uh, but anyway, yeah, I thought it was, it was a uh, big hit. It was, and then yeah, then they had sequels, which uh, yeah, I didn't watch those. But <laughs> I think I saw, I've seen the second movie, you know, probably on cable. 
Um, and then they did a TV show, which I think I've seen parts of, wasn't really a fan of. Oh, you know? wait, how did they how did they turn that into a TV show? How, how do they, they turn got, everything? They into got a TV shrunk show? or something. Like what, what? What was the premise? It, wasn't, it was you know, it was a, a re, re a reboot or a re you know remake or whatever you know. No, but I'm saying, what was the premise of the t- like? How, how do you turn that into a weekly TV show? They keep getting <laughs> shrunk and enlarged and shrunk and enlarged. Well, I don't know. I, I don't remember oh, you know, okay. from you know what the the show was all about, but. Um, Apparently they're they're doing a uh, another remake with Josh Gad. It's <laughs> called Shrunk. Oh man, why? So part two. All right, so part one. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, nineteen eighty nine. Part two. Oh, I remember part two now. I remember it because from the title, Honey, I blew up the kid. Yes. So by part two, um, the the parents, Rick Moranis and his wife, have another child who's now a toddler. And he accidentally blows him up. So he turns the toddler into this, like, giant. And they have to deal with that. It was uh, directed by uh, Randall Kleiser, who I met. He was the director of the Grease, you know, original movie, and also Flight of the Navigator. Which, of course, starred Pee Wee Herman. Well, yeah, the The voice, voice. right? (laughs) So the 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 here's a, a a little tidbit trivia the the actress who played the daughter in the first in, in Honey I Shrunk the Kids yeah Amy O'Neill her her interest is like well what else has she done well not much because her interest in acting had waned and she ended up quitting in 1994 because she kept getting scripts that required nudity Ah, well, I mean, yeah. Me too. So, uh, so, um, she ended up, uh, becoming interested in circuses and ended up joining circus acts. Interesting. So, so that's But yeah, so, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show came out, uh, I don't know what year that was, but it starred Peter Scolari. From Bosom Buddies. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Kind of looks a little. Yeah, there's a re- little but, uh, bit of a resemblance there. I don't know. Apparently, this new one will have. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Wikipedia is billing Rick Moranis as being involved. I, I can't imagine that. Wow. This guy won't do. He won't do Ghostbusters. He's gonna do this stupid thing. <laughs> shrunk. And then they also they also did a Honey I Shrunk the Audience, which was at Epcot Center. And different uh, Disney. I don't. Rem- I don't know if I saw this when I was there. Uh, no, no. This was after I went to Disney World. But they had at MGM Studios in the early '90s when I when I was there as a kid, teenager. Um, MGM uh, Disney MGM Studios in Orlando. They had a uh, Honey I Shrunk the Kids. You know, like a th- theme section. You know, where you everything was big, so you got to climb around the stupid stuff and all. And they had this, this like, uh, like a, like a, like a miniature, like, uh, you know, like a, a log flume kind of ride where you went through and like went into these tunnels and stuff like that. It wasn't, it wasn't quite as fun as say Action Park. Yeah. You know, where you might be decapitated <laughs> during the ride. Literally, but, yeah, I know. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's what they did. All right. Who's next? What's next? Well, wait. So, 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 very, very quickly. So, part two, "Honey, I Blew Up the Kid" came out in 1992. It did not 
it did well at the box office, but not nearly as well. Yeah, well, again, the, the first movie was somewhat inspired by The Incredible Shrinking Man from the 1950s, and then obviously the sequel was inspired by the... Um, was, the, was it the Incredible Shrinking Woman or the Giant Woman or I don't know I don't remember then, one of the you know one of those old science fiction. Uh, <clears throat> moving on and then well wait and then part three uh, Honey We Shrunk Ourselves <laughs> came out yeah. in nineteen ninety seven and was an absolute bomb. Well, of course, by then it made seven million dollars. <laughs> you went from two hundred twenty three million to seven million. <laughs> At the box office, so that's yeah. people had enough. Bad, yeah. Uh, eight years later, people were like, "Enough, enough with the shrinking ourselves, uh, <laughs> um, shrinking movies." Uh, shrink. Anyway, yeah. um, but the original. I was still, the, still, my favorite shrinking movie, of course, is Inner Space. Ah, with Martin uh, Short and Dennis Quaid, right? And the late great Kevin Ke- McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy. It's Potter! <laughs> that was, yeah, that was an odd movie. That was, uh, wait, wait, let me see, what, what year was that? Like 88 or something? 87, I think. Meg uh, Ryan, I think it was like 87. You're right, yeah. Uh, 1987. Yep, Meg Ryan. It was inspired by the 1966 sci fi movie Fantastic Voyage. Yes, like. yes. But, uh, yeah. That was that was a great movie. Fantastic Voyage was a you know classic movie. It wasn't a comedy like Inner Space, but right. <laughs> I never saw that. Inner uh, Space is great. Raquel Welch, uh, fantastic. Yes, Voyage. Raquel Welch was in the original one. All right, and, uh, she appeared in uh, Raquel Welch. Of course, appeared in uh, Naked Gun thirty three and a third, the final insult, <laughs> and Seinfeld. And, oh, what was I talking about? There Frank, was... you know what this means? Yes, Florence Henderson's going to win it, and it's about time. Um, there was a thing that I was, I was talking no, about. We don't have time for your, for your uh, babbling. Come on. All right. So Let's you, go. so go ahead. So do, do the next thing. Then. <laughs> so, um. I guess, you know, local news, I'll skip around here. Um, I never thought this day would come, but they are closing the our local Kmart. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. R- real quick. The reason I, I was talking you about... You can't jump back after I announced the next part. Hold on. The reason I was, talk, I was uh, thinking of Raquel Welch the other day, it, I, I remembered now. There was a night... A 1998 movie that she was in with Jack Warden and Estelle Harris, who played George's mom on Seinfeld. Yes. And Larry Larry Miller. I don't know if you if you know where I'm going with this. Larry Miller. Courtney Thorne Smith. Right. From Melrose Place. Yeah. Do you know what movie I'm referring to? Uh, not really. All right. Well, you will after I say that. And Carrot Top. Oh, no! <laughs> Ra- 
Raquel Welch. Yeah, they all starred in this 1998 Carrot Top movie called Chairman of the Board. Chairman of the Board. That's the one where Norm MacDonald is on Conan. Yes. With Courtney Thorne Smith and just destroys the movie right in front of her. (laughs) Yes, and she goes along with it. What was she going to do? She knew it was terrible. (laughs) He's like... And Conan's like, so, so Courtney, he, because he's interviewing Courtney Thornsmith and Norm MacDonald was yeah. the previous guest. So he's sitting in the next chair over. And he's like, so Courtney, what's the name of the movie? And Norm goes, eh, let me guess, uh, Box Office Poison. <laughs> and everybody laughed. He's like, Norm, how dare you? Let the, let, let, let Courtney answer the question. What's the, what's the name of the movie? And she's laughing and she can't even take it seriously. And she's like, Chairman of the board, and Conan goes, Ha, do something with that, Norm. And then Norm goes, Uh, let me guess, board is spelled B O R E D. (laughs) And Conan goes nuts because it was so, it was like right on cue, right on cue. Yeah. Anyway, terrible movie. Oh, so, so that was a great Norm moment, but, um, Yeah, they uh, and they they had him uh, on like a, I think it was Opie and Anthony. Years later, they had him on and they were talking about that. And um, oh god, I think he actually got like banned from Conan for a while. What? Why? I don't. I don't remember something like I don't. I mean, you know, the pub. I mean, he destroyed this movie. <laughs> but it was. But but. But to maybe his... Howard Stern, he was talking about it, and and then Courtney Thorne Smith, I think, may have also been on, on like Howard Stern years later, and they and he brought this, you know, brought the incident up, and she was like, yeah, this is pretty bad. So the budget for Chairman of the Board was ten million dollars. The box office, the box office for the what do you think the box office would be? I'm just curious. I don't know five hundred five hundred thousand. A hundred eighty-one thousand uh, <laughs> dollars. Well, think it is sick. You know, normally um, they'll eventually like get DVD sales and things like that. I, I mean, they probably didn't even come close, even with that. Bad. No. So anyway, all right. So go, go, so go, go ahead. Kmart. Anyway, so the local Kmart, which has been in Belleville, New Jersey, since seventies. Yeah, maybe 1977 or something like that. Or it's about yeah. as old as us. Yeah. Um, you know, Kmart, Sears, Kmart. I mean, they're, they're they've been in this weird, like going out of business um, phase over the last several years. Like normally, when a company goes out of business, and uh, they just close all their stores like within months, if even you know, they're just like blockbusters. Ah, just close them all. And <laughs> they've been going in this weird thing where most of the Sears have closed, and now the Kmart's are all closing. But they, you know, they'll close like one every like year. Does it's very strange. So there's a couple. There's maybe three or four left in all of New Jersey, and then there's a few like in New York. And I always swore that there's one here. There's one in a town called Kearney, which is a few minutes away. I always swore that this Belleville one would be the last one standing. <laughs> Why? Like the last Kmart standing. Because when they built it, they had some weird thing in their lease where 
because they built it in like an economically depressed zone or something like that, they basically like paid no property tax. Uh. So <laughs> the 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 store cost like the company nothing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they're paying like next to nothing to have this thing open, just like utilities and the payroll. Yeah. So that's why. But I mean, you know, I mean, nobody goes there anymore. Um, I think maybe tomorrow I'll go down there and like take some pictures. Well, I I remember when across the street when Payless Shoe Source first opened up across the street. Yeah. There in the in they're the, out of business too. Yeah, it was like sort the, of. If I remember correctly, the late nineteen eighties. Yeah, and it was this huge deal. It was such a big deal. Yeah. Wow, look, Payless a new store, <laughs> Payless shoe store, and everyone's like lines around the corner. And I'm like, I don't know, it's just a shoe store. What's the big deal? But yeah, but uh, yeah, but you have to remember at the time, the only shoe stores that existed by the '80s were like mom and pop shoe stores. So right. And- well, no, there, there mean, were like some chains. No shoes. There were some chains. There were chains. Who? Kinney and Fava uh, and Stride Ride and uh, <laughs> Foot Lock. I thought I, those were shoes. Kmart. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I, I, but I'm, I'm just saying, Payless Shoe Stores opened up across the street. It was this huge deal. Right. And then after several years, that was it. Was still it still was popular in, in here in Belleville, New Jersey, but. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then by the, I guess, I don't know, the company went out of business. I, I was surprised, actually, because I, th- I always thought people shopped there. Like, they, they would do the buy one, get one half off. And I thought well, I think they're actually, actually, I think that they've been restructured. They may actually have gone back into business in some fashion. I don't know. But it's look, it's the same reason that, like, Toys R Us went under and a lot of these places. Um, it's not simple. People say, oh, you know, no one goes to retail. Now, look. This is before the pandemic. These places went out of business. Yeah. It's not that simple. It's not simply to say the business had a downturn. People are just buying everything online. No. The problem is these companies went into massive debt because they spend hundreds. You know, when you open stores, that costs a lot of money. Yeah. You know, and things like that to expand. And so they borrow all this money and then... They wind up with all this debt. And then what happens is to get out, you know, get out from the debt, they take in these, in you know, investors. And these investors are like hedge funds and things like that. And they have no interest in, they have no interest in keeping the business going. They don't care. They're just looking to make money. So basically, the only way they can make their money is essentially to liquidate the company. That's what keeps happening, you know, yeah. from these hedge funds. Which is why when the GameStop Reddit thing happened, when you know GameStop stock prices <laughs> went to like three hundred dollars a share, when they should be like thirty dollars at the most, um, I you know I didn't I didn't cry for the poor hedge funders who you know got screwed, right. um, but that's what happens. But anyway, yeah. So, so the Kmart finally is uh, going to go out of business. Uh, many memories there. The old dirty Kmart. <laughs> yeah, I I remember uh, again mid nineteen eighties the car crashing through the front window. Yeah, yeah, that was that was on the local news. Some idiot drove their Cadillac right through the front window. 
So then after that, they put up those barriers. Uh, the, the yeah, the I don't even think those are there anymore. No, no, they got rid of them. But, but uh, yeah, and then we had the you know this friend of ours from like third grade who was a lunatic. Um, as they were doing the news report, was like in the background screaming, <laughs> like on li- on the live news. You know, back then it was live. You went, hey, it's live. You just g- get on the news, just screaming and shouting. What are on they going to lo- do? Yeah, it's live on location. But I, re- yeah. So when we were growing up there, they had a cafeteria in the back, yeah. so like you could go, you could shop, you could walk into the cafeteria, get a hot dog, and sit <clears> and eat and. And then in the front, it's basically microwave food. Well, I, I I don't know, but 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 uh, yeah, I'm not saying it was it was like fine dining, but I'm just saying imagine a department store supposed to be affordable, affordable apartment store. You go in the back, you can eat. You go in the front. There's they they had the um, what was it icy the icy machine and, and yeah pretzels yeah the slurpy and, kind of fake like crappy <clears throat> slurpees. And then they had um, pretzels. Uh, yeah, pretzels and churros. And they had this thing where it was like a little cart with a pole on it. And on top of the pole was – it looked like a police light. Yeah. And it was blue and and, and they was a blue light special in, in aisle whatever or, or in the boys section or the girls uh. section or whatever. And it was like anything on clearance. They would just put on this – little cart turn the light on it would flash this blue light like a siren and then then everybody would go <laughs> well those you know those aspects of like department stores that was stuff that existed back in the 40s you know my grandparents would joke about that when they'd go down into Newark downtown to like the uh, the Haynes was it Haynes was it Haynes or those old department stores they had that down there you know um Oh. I mean, the one building, the like the Bambergers. Yeah, Bamberg. if people have ever heard of Bambergers, Macy's and Bambergers. Yep. You know they had a store. The building is still there. They had a store in Newark, which was like thirteen floors. It was insane. Yeah. Restaurant. They had every single thing you would ever buy yeah. in this department store: toys and <coughs> furniture. Um, dishes, shoes, dishes, clothes. hardware, clothes, just <laughs> curtains, furniture, yeah, TVs. And then, right, and and they uh, maybe on like the first floor, the second floor, they had not only did they have a cafeteria in because it, it also had basement levels in this place, many basement levels, and not only was there a cafeteria, but on one of the floors, maybe one of the upper floors, it was an actual like restaurant, like a fancy restaurant. Yeah, restaurant. you know, in this place that was, you know, in like a bar, and it was like a club. Yeah, and the- so all those those like horrible like impersonations <laughs> that Kmart had, you know, it came from that era. You know, just by the by the seventies and eighties, it was, you know, cheapified to the point where you know it was like junk. Yeah, and uh, you know that's what you got. But yeah. I, you know the old Kmart. I, I just remember. Um, I, don't know, I mean, we you know we would shop in there for like clothes and stuff like that, and then uh, you know eventually like electronics and some like hardware. You know, like a, a not hardware um, appliances and yeah stuff like that. But uh, I, I just like it was similar. Kmart was very similar to like the local Bradleys. Yep. And places like that when you were a kid. 
that they never had the new toys. I don't know where they went, but like they would never have them. They always had like old beat up toys and even if they when new ones came out, they'd always they'd never have the good ones. They'd always have like the crappy, you know, like toys that no one ever buy, which of course, you know, are the ones that are worth seven times more than the regular ones because no one bought them. Well, now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I remember, uh, well, perhaps a, a lot of people who might listen to this um, never experienced something like this, but we're old enough that, that we caught the tail end, uh, what, what I'm going to call the tail end of those of, of the heyday of department stores where my family and I, you know, I'm, I'm growing up. My family and I could, uh, could, could go to one department store, whether it's Macy's or, or Sears or, and it's like, okay, well let's go clothes shopping. Oh, and we need a new couch. Oh, and look, they have TVs and stereo equipment and, oh, look, you know, uh, dishes, a set of dishes and, and silverware and, and, oh, look at the curtains. And it's like all of this in one, it, it was like, it was like a real life Amazon or something. It's like, yeah. But, but how, how do you, Looking back on it now, it's like, how do you maintain that? Like, you're you're trying to be everything. How do you do that in real life? It seems like a strange approach to me. Oh, they just had a little of of, of everything. You but know, it's but like again, back then. But what I'm saying is, back then, people didn't, people weren't interested in. Oh, you know, I must have exactly this, exactly this item. Cannot be anything else. Exactly this. You know, you just went into the store and you looked around. And if you saw something that was similar or, you know, within like 60% of what you wanted, you bought it. Because you knew, like, I'm not going to find this whatever I want anywhere else. You're just not going to find it. Yeah, whatever this. drive all over the place? No, no it's stupid. No. Whatever the store had, that's what you, th- that was your choice. <laughs> that's like, this is right. what they it was, had. You know, it was like if. If you wanted a, you know, you wanted a certain uh, I don't know, pair of sneakers, you know, and you want, oh, I want this this sneaker that I saw in the magazine ad. Okay, Tough. well, let me go and try. <laughs> well, oh, they don't have it here, but they have like this this bad, you know, knockoff or even like some some thing that like looks about halfway like those sneakers. That's what you would buy. <laughs> that's what you're getting. Again, what were you gonna do? <laughs> drive to 10 different stores it made no sense no nope. it's like no we're here you pick from here that's it right. we're not going anywhere else right i mean you know you you went shopping like once a week if my, even yeah my my parents told me that where the belleville kmart is now before that was built there was some some sort of factory there and right. it well, was, that the whole area was factories. Yeah, but this particular one was surrounded by a big brick wall, and it was very private and closed off, and you couldn't know what they were doing. Or I, I don't know if how accurate that is, but that's what they said. Well, you know, a lot of some of that industry that went on down there was during like World War II, so maybe that's why there was some security involved or but something it's, like that. But I. 
it's it's weird I, to I, envision though because I you and I grew up it's just it's just an open it's it's a parking lot and a store it's just open and I can't envision right. driving down that street with this closed off brick wall it, it seem I, it just seems weird to me but evidently that's how it was well it is what it is it's gone so what so, will I'll, take the place is there any rumor oh I don't know no speculation idea. no I mean. The building is so old that you would almost have to like knock it down. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, who, yeah, whoever comes in would would make it their own. But um, is what it is. All right, uh, what is next? The end of an era. Eh. So this is from a while ago. Uh, local news: the uh, the uh, the owner of the Space Farm Zoo died. Mr. Space. <laughs> Which is is funny because I was like, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, where did they come up with that name? Space Farms. <laughs> Mr. Space. His name was Space. Fred yeah. Space. Yeah, well, growing up uh, on, on our local TV, sometimes there were commercials uh, for, for Space Farm. Like, Space Farm, yeah. Zoo and Museum... And my family never went. We, we never went there. So I would see these commercials. And, and of course, my, you know, crazy imagination, my, my wild imagination. I'm like, oh, it's like, it's like a space zoo, like a space farm. It's like a futuristic. Why? Because, because why opposite. else? Yeah, but like why else would it be called space, right? It's like some kind of right. futuristic farm with like space shuttle tractors and like but no it's it was, yeah like you said it was the complete opposite if anything it was very very old-fashioned and, and in some ways even uh even outdated when when i i did end up going many years later as an adult and it was like oh adult. this is like eh, it's okay i guess but it wasn't well, they have they have they actually have a pretty good antique car uh display there yeah the the zoo uh portion of it is not very good it's it, yeah it wasn't good the the antique well, I mean, car it's... and motorcycle collection that was very good right well it's still there the space farm zoo and museum is still there the one time that i went there um i i admit it was getting to be uh, close to closing time, but it was not yet closing time. And this uh, young worker there had brought out a baby goat and she was feeding it from a bottle. And there was a, a few people gathering around watching the, the, the worker uh, feed the baby goat. Yeah. And then this old guy, maybe it was Mr. Space, I don't know, but this old guy who worked there... Very, very crotchety. was like, ah, you brought out the baby goat. We're trying to close. Look at this idiot bringing out the Who told you to bring out the <laughs> Like, right in front of us. Just, just, no shame, no no filter. No, like, right in front of the customers. And we're like, it's, you still got 10 minutes. She's feeding the baby. Ah, who told you to do that? Look at this idiot bringing out the baby goat. Now there's people here. I'm trying to get out of here. I'm trying to. I'm like, jeez. No wonder why he went out of business. <laughs> well, no, he didn't go out of business. He died. Still in business. Oh, well, I misunderstood then. Well, then don't go I, to Space Farm. I said it 10 nasty. times. 
crotchet. Wait, maybe that was him. I don't know. <laughs> Not the best experience there, but uh, maybe maybe you have a better experience. I don't know. No, I never went there. Well, I'm saying you as in the, as in the listener. Oh, well, I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right, moving on. We're moving on here. I'm trying to speed it up. Okay, uh, I'm going to jump around here. Uh, let's yep. do a few video games things quickly. Sounds good. So, um... Huh? Sounds good, yeah. Oh, okay. Can't hear you. Um... Uh, Right. So, first thing I was, I was going to say, the, you know, with video games, there's a lot of, um, even so, you know, it's been, in some cases, 30 years, 40 years for some of these systems. And somehow these, uh, these development prototypes keep popping out of nowhere. I don't know where. interesting. They keep popping up, uh, you know. They they're being found, and then uh, they get uh, dumped to uh, you know computer, and then they get uh, posted online. Um, you know what I find interesting is like like you said, a lot of these machines are so old now, and uh, I'll go on YouTube and and I'll watch. <clears throat> interviews or presentations from some of the old programmers from back then they'll they'll give a speech or explain how they worked on on one of these old machines and, and the challenges and stuff which i find very interesting but i look at these at the at the programmers from back then who are giving these who are doing these interviews or 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 speeches and I'm like, how, how, like, shouldn't you be older than you are? Like, how are you not, like, I don't know. I just feel like this machine is for 40 years ago. You were an adult working on it. How are you not older? Like, it's, it's, it's weird. It's like the whole time. Well, I mean, if you, if you think about like Atari, most of those guys who worked in those games were right out of college. So they were like 20, yeah. at most they were like 25. And so 35 years later, yeah, they're in their 60s. I don't know. I just so feel like they should be older. I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird. Well, me. I mean, it depends. Like there's some <laughs> some of the famous ones. Like you could, if their interviews, are, you know, when they interview them, they're just talking about like, how is it to work here? And, you know, do you have any stories or funny stuff, whatever? They're fine. A lot of them are very, very funny guys. Um, we've met several of them. Um, where you, <coughs> where you don't want to watch, and this happens a lot, is when these guys give these, these actual, like, programming, like, uh, dissertations. Like, mm -hmm. David Crane was, is famous for this. You could find these, like, uh, where he talks about, like, how he, so, there were a lot of, like conventions and like gatherings and stuff like that for um, some of these old video game programmers. Not now. This is like, this is stuff that happened like 20 years ago or so. And they're, you know, they've uploaded this stuff to YouTube. And it's, it's no wonder that this doesn't happen anymore. And it's basically like, it'll be like David Crane standing in front, like standing in a small room in front of like, I don't know, 30 people. And I'll have an overhead projector, you know, one of the old overheads. 
and it'll be going through slides. And the slides are not like video game sprites. <laughs> it's code. <laughs> and then it'll be going through the code and talking about how, you know, this line here uh, in assembler, and this is how this is how it it affects the registers and the, uh, <laughs> the, the memory line, right? uh, positions and uh, forget about scan lines and, and all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh my god, this is brutal. <laughs> I find it interesting. <laughs> like seriously, and uh, you know, again, not to insult the guy, but it's like, who was attending these things in 19 say? 97. What were you getting from this? You know what I'm saying? Like, by that point, the technology had advanced to the point where you weren't coding in assembly language anymore. You were using development kits from right. the manufacturers. The only way you could do it. Or I guess you could I, write it. I your, know. You could I, write. I know. It, it, it wasn't a practical presentation. It was a historical presentation. I know, but they're brutal. They're nah, just brutal. I like it. I like it. What? Like how... Like you, how yeah, you've watched those where the guy's going through the overhead? Yes. Well, this memory register here only had <laughs> no, six bits, so I had to put four bits in and then multiply by three. And I'm like, oh, stop. Stop. <laughs> it's interesting. So anyway, all right. So so these yeah. So th some of these machines are are decades old now, but th we still have these discoveries, even after right. all so, these years. Yeah, no, no, no. Some of these things have already been discovered. It's just it winds up with collectors who are weirdos and and won't share anything. Um, new new discoveries cases, like like bio <laughs> new discoveries like BioForce Ape. <laughs> The real Bioforce Ape. Well, Bioforce Ape, believe it or not, I mean, the when they found the actual game, um, like on a floppy disk in Japan, I mean, that's how most of the stuff gets found, is on a floppy disk or a CD, or if it's a newer machine, like one from, like, say, the 90s onward, when they had an actual development box, which was a machine that you developed on, they, you, you find stuff on the hard drive and things like that. Or you find a CD with um, data burned into it that's in a drive on a dev kit machine yeah. that nobody even knows it's in there. Yeah, they forgot to take it out. <laughs> they forgot to yeah. eject. <laughs> so anyway, so that's how a lot of times this stuff's found. So the first thing that's like this, uh, in, in this case... Um, this is a Nintendo found, find, which is extremely rare that anything like the, the first party, basically Nintendo, is, is found. It was actually rare. Not, it's simply that it's rare, but that it was the rare where, rare the company. The de yeah. That did all the, the work <laughs> right. for Nintendo. So on the N64, uh, Rare developed a lot of games for, for that. For Nintendo, uh, you know, they did GoldenEye, they did uh, Banjo-Kazooie, Conker. Uh, did they do Gold uh, Donkey Kong 64? I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so they Last were... Last <laughs> Core, Killer Instinct, uh, etc. Jet Force Gemini. Yeah, so, I mean, Rare was... They weren't owned by Nintendo, but they were basically, like, their main developer. 
other than Nintendo. Well, well Nintendo had uh, something like a 49% uh, stake in, in the company. Or so. It was something like that. Right. I mean, they had Hudson do games for them as well. They did, like, Mario Party. Yeah. Um, anyway, so one of the games... And this is like this, you know, this always happens with this Star Fox franchise for some reason. You know, Star Fox 2 was developed, fully developed, was not released, and then they made uh, on the Super Nintendo, and then they came out with Star Fox 64. Um, Much better. but It was the right choice at the time. They could have released both. It would have killed <laughs> But anyway, so in a similar vein, um, they were developing a game that... Not even sure if it's a Star Fox game originally, but the game was was called Dinosaur Planet. Yes. And the concept this happened all the time. You would have a concept of a game late in the system's life, and the developer would say, Well, you know, this there's a new system coming out. Let's just move it to the new platform and you know, get in on the launch, make more money. Yeah. But um, well, and also it's more powerful, and you can right, right. Uh, you, know, you can realize so anyway, the full vision of the game and not right. be uh, and not and not have to deal with the limitations of the old right. machine. But usually, when this would happen, in most cases, um, the prototype sometimes is found on the lesser system, and it's not really well developed because they move the the uh, the work over. But for some reason, with these Star Fox games, they keep finding them in, like, fully realized conditions. So, Dinosaur Planet, the only thing anyone has known about this game for 20 years is, like, in, in, in like, conceptual form. Like, no one believed that this game existed in any kind of software. Maybe, like, a, a, like a very limited... Uh, tech demo or something but the consensus was this game does not exist so the shock that someone found this game and then posted it online and 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 it's 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 like not a finish finish game but this is like a, a really complete game yeah you know I downloaded it I was playing it on my everdrive on the n64 and <coughs> I mean it's a really completed game. I mean, it has all the cinematics, it has the voiceovers. Now, the voiceovers may have been the same voiceovers that were used on the on the the actual game, which is called uh, Star Fox Adventures on the GameCube. But um, it, it's, it's really an impressive game. And I'm playing through it. I don't know, did you watch any of the footage for it or... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... it's it looks very nice. I mean, it's it's like all of Rare. Again, Banjo-Kazooie, perfect art. It, it looks right. very nice. The animations, the lighting, the shadows, the textures. The, uh, if they had released it on... If, if they had gone through with it and released it late in the Nintendo 64's life, I don't know. I, I even though it looks like it could have been a very nice, well produced game. I, I don't. By then, I don't know how good the sales would have been. Unfortunately. Yeah, I, I, that I, I don't know. I mean, at that point, but um, I mean that's why they moved it over. I, I'm yeah. the shock. Really, is the level of 
completeness yeah. to this this um, this ROM that that was found. That's really the shocker is just how complete it is. And there's some bugs in it here and there, but it's pretty impressive. Um, I was pl- like I said, I was playing it a bunch. I got stuck in some spots because obviously it's you know it's a it's a beta, but yeah. I, I thought it was it's pretty cool. Um, can I just the other say, one that was but back then in that era of video games I remember specifically Nintendo and Rare were notorious for delays so they would be working on a game they would tease it in the magazines oh it's coming this spring or whatever and then spring would come no it's coming in the fall we delayed it okay I mean GoldenEye was delayed a year year and a half all the game all of Zelda and I mean all of them and and um, but back then, those companies took the approach of like we don't want to just churn out a game every year, like churn it out, churn no. it out. It's like when it's right. finished, it's finished. If it even if it takes us three and a half years, which sometimes it did, right. but I don't know if it, does that even really happen anymore. I don't know if that happens no. a lot anymore. But back well, now, then it, I mean, I mean now the games are just you know, pooped out there and, <laughs> and they just, they, you know, there's like, there's like no game anymore that you could just take it off the disc and play it. It has to download updates. Yeah. That's just the way it is. And, and then they charge you for like DLC and things like that, but that's just the way it is. So the other, and I, oh, real quick, the other one that was found recently, uh, was a, a prototype of Sonic the Hedgehog on the Sega Genesis. Oh, wow. Okay. Which, you know, I mean, for, like, me and you were like, ah, who cares? You know, the game came out. But it was actually a very... People were very shocked that this was found because uh, Sega of Japan, the, the, for whatever the reason, the, the uh, finding, like, Sega uh, Mega Drive Genesis betas is very, very difficult, apparently. Like, nobody ever thought that they would find this or that. And they found one for Sonic 3 at one point. And so this is it was apparently a shocking find. And then the other one I'll I'll mention is this is one that I may have talked about this game. This is how old this stupid podcast is. <laughs> I probably talked about this game when it was supposed to come out, which is GoldenEye 007 uh, Xbox Live Arcade. So we talk about rare. At some point, Microsoft basically bought control of Rare. Um, I want to say around 2003. And they controlled the company. And so they used them to make, like, Perfect Dark came out on the Xbox 360, uh, for instance. And so whatever work that they did, and I don't even know if Rare's around anymore, but... They are. Uh, whatever, yeah, they, yeah. Okay. Whatever work they began to do was all in-house for Microsoft and not nothing anymore for Nintendo. And there's a big shocker for a lot of people. They were like, why wouldn't Nintendo buy this company that's done all these games for them? But they didn't. Anyway, so um, they Rare, Microsoft, were going to um, produce a like remastered HD version of the GoldenEye 007 that came out on the N64. And it was not going to be a disc game. It was just going to be a download game on their arcade. And, you know, they had the um, the licenses from James Bond at that point. Um, I guess I guess Microsoft had them. 
I don't remember. I thought, or maybe Electron. I thought EA had them, but I don't know. It was this yeah. weird thing. I don't remember who the hell had the license for James Bond, but somehow Microsoft could have done it. And basically, Nintendo vetoed it. Like, they couldn't come to a deal with Nintendo. I don't even know why Nintendo would have a say in this. Because, I know. Why would they? <laughs> I mean, the game was published on the N64, but they don't but, own the well, IP. No, but it was... It, I don't know if this has anything to do with anything, but it was published by Nintendo. And maybe that's what it was. But anyway, so it never came out. And but it was well known that the the game was was just about finished, like it was ready to be released, and they just couldn't get them to do it. Yeah. So and then everyone was very angry about this because then Electronic Arts <clears throat> had the um, you know they had the license, and then I'm showing Rob here. They came out with this piece of gar this stupid thing, this <laughs> Golden Eye Rogue Agent. Right. <laughs> and then. I don't know if it was X, uh, if it was Electronic Arts or maybe Activision at that point. They came out with a with uh, GoldenEye Reloaded, which was on I think most systems. I know the Wii had it that came with a golden uh, uh, fake gun thing. Yeah. You, know, you put your golden uh, uh, Wii mode into, and I think that was Activision. But the stupid thing about that one was it. It cast, because the, the license that they had at the time was for the current Bond actor, which was Daniel Craig. That's right. And so they put him into the game, which made no sense. And right. Whatever, but... Um, so people, you know, Bond fans were very angry about that. And so finally, somebody, I don't know how they came up with this, but somebody, through a dev kit, they found this, like, fully, almost complete version of this GoldenEye game. And it got dumped, and it's out there. Now, it's since been taken down from, like, Internet Archive because Microsoft put, like, cease and desist out. And, but, I mean, it's out there. And um, I downloaded it. I got it to work on my... My 360 is uh, has a hard mod on it, but um, I put it on there, and I was playing it. And it's really, really good. And I, I, I'll tell you, it is literally literally like a scene by scene exact re, re uh, you know reproduction or whatever of the goldeneye game it's exactly the same yeah yeah i i think they just uh i, I from what i understand i think it, it's the original game like uh right. like like it's a game engine like with, yeah with new, actually, with, I think with up, even like updated textures and and resolution. Right. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Basically, I think even like the like the wireframe models are probably the same. Right. So what while you're playing it, if you hit one of the triggers at the top of the controller, which is really cool, it will instantly flip between the new version and the original version, which obviously on a 360 looks like a cloudy mess. <laughs> but it's really cool that you could flip back and forth. So I played through the game one time on like Agent and beat it, and I was like, "Oh, this is great!" I'm like, "I'm not going any further than this. This is whatever." But uh, it's a lot of fun, and uh, they actually some people have been playing the multiplayer because the multiplayer is fully there mm -hmm. um, over something I've, I've talked about this before. Something called X Link Kai. Um, that's out there, which is basically um, it's a service that you run off of, like your PC, and it just it basically like fakes a, a local area network, like a LAN. So 
in games that had, uh, particularly for like original Xbox or 360, let's say, or PlayStation 2, games that had System Link back then, you know, where you had like a lo local LAN and you could connect, uh, you know, you connected the consoles back then. So you'd get like 16 players or something like that. So, you know, people were doing that. But that's, that's like a holy grail for me as a Bond fan and a GoldenEye devotee to have this game finally out there. I could play it. I know. If that had been released... 15 years. Yeah, if that had been released when it was originally supposed to be released on the 360 uh, yeah. Live Arcade, or, or uh, I think it was called, that would yeah. have been humongous. That that would... I mean, it would have... It would have been like 30 million copies, 30 million downloads. It would have been oh, like yeah. huge. Huge. Well, and because it... And because it, you know, it did the multiplayer exactly... Right. And none of the Bond games since, a lot of them have multiplayer, but none of them were like this game. Right. Um, it, it just, yeah, I mean, it would have been absolutely bonkers. They, they uh, did. I probably would have had, I probably would have gotten a 360 at the time just for that. To yeah. play an N64 game. I know, seriously. They, they did end up releasing a same type of, of, uh, revamped version, um, of Perfect Dark, which is. Right. Essentially, it, it's it's GoldenEye 007, but with original characters, and uh, so that did come out the right. HD Perfect Dark HD version. Zero, right? Was it Perfect Dark Zero? No, well, that was that was a sequel. That that was an original oh. game. I, oh I no, mean, no, no, no! Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yes, yes. Yeah. There, there are mod. There's still mod. I forget that they changed the website, um, but there are many mods for the N64 GoldenEye, as well as Perfect Dark, where people have converted per I have it I've played it they've converted perfect dark into goldeneye with the you know expansion pack graphics and things like that. that's good but uh, it's still not complete I mean there's yeah, still no, some no. issues with it and it's not like what what rare and Microsoft did which was a retail game I mean that was a, a professionally done game Right. No, but what I'm saying is that, right. So they they released the professionally official version of Perfect Dark HD on the, on Xbox Arcade. Oh, okay. All right. But yeah, they yeah. never really. And again, you can toggle between the original graphics and the quote HD graphics. But but yeah, ne well, never they, never the golden. They probably eye. just took the Golden Eye uh, engine that they had, or whatever they had worked they had done, and just were like, ah, well, sort of like what Rare did. <laughs> right when yeah. they lost the bond license, yeah, we'll just do Perfect Dark. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, that's uh, it happened frequently. There's a one more video game item. I have a show and tell, which no one can see except you. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Are you ready? Yes. Ah! Uh, well, <laughs> wait a minute. So, however many episodes back, I have no idea. I think we were in Lenwich or something like that, and you yes. brought you unveiled the uh, the Tiger R Zone. Oh was, God, that thing was garbage. And but I was, that I got for like nothing, though. No, I know, I know. Fairness. And and now you are unveiling live on the air a Nintendo Virtual Boy. Yeah. Which, the funny thing about that is. So growing up, um, I wanted an Atari Lynx, not a Nintendo Game Boy, because the Lynx had color and a bigger yes, screen. Yeah, you've said this a thousand times. So I, got, so I got the Atari Lynx. But then 
my parents ended up winning, uh, like a year later, I think, my parents ended up winning a Game Boy in a raffle. Oh, okay. So they gave that to my sister. So she had the Game right. Boy, I had the Lynx. And we had a few games for each, not nothing too crazy. But um, So then when the Virtual Boy came out, that was before, it was right before the Nintendo 64. It was like a year before. Yeah. And uh, however many months later, I was at an electronics boutique store. And they had a pile of them for twenty nine dollars. Yeah, twenty nine dollars. So I'm like, hey, this Jump. would be. I, my, my sister has the Game Boy. It's a few years later, and maybe she, maybe she would like this. I don't know. It's like the follow up to the Game Boy. It's only thirty bucks, right? How could I, uh, how could I not buy it? So I bought the yeah. Virtual Boy. I bought a few games. I gave it to her for Christmas. Um, it's like, I, I. I, I I can't imagine she ever played it. I think it's just sat <laughs> under the bed for a few years, and then uh, I tried it out a few times, but it was it wasn't something I was going to sit there and really play. So anyway, so what do you think? Why do well, you somebody, have a virtual boy? Well, in high school, didn't the, our friend Lubisha have one? No, no, he had Turbo Graphic. Somebody had one, either him or, or Chris. One of those two had it because they brought it to school a few times in in our art class. We were playing it. Really? And uh, yeah, yeah, I remember. That's where why? I played it. Why? What do you mean? Why? They would play no, video games in that class. No, no, no. But I'm saying when it first came out, it was it was like what was it? Two hundred dollars? I didn't pay two hundred dollars for it. No, I don't think he bought. No, I don't think he bought it. Brand. Well, he may have. He was dumb enough, but. I don't think he brought, bought it brand I mean, he bought the Turbo Graphics like brand new. I don't think they bought it brand new. I mean, I think it may have come down in price at that point. Um, I don't but know. It, well, I mean, I don't know because, you know, it came out, what, in 95, right? Yes. So, and that we were seniors that following fall. So, they may not have had it on a discount at that point. But, and, and here's, here's anyway, something. Anyway, yeah, so, so I remember playing it, and, you know, at obviously Digital Press in Clifton, New Jersey, they have the store display, and he'll t- when the, when we were still doing the nav, as he would turn it on, you could play it in there. Um, and I've played it at other times, you know, in the past. Um, you know, it was like, it's like the Angry Video Game Nerd uh, goofy video on it. When this came out... Um, there was like a wasn't there like a strap or something like you would like put it on or your nope. hat or something but no nope. it would always give me like playing it would always give me headaches you know because you just you couldn't like see it you know you'd have to like squint in there like eh. <laughs> see for me but, it, um, it, for me it never bothered my I know I know like the big joke uh, um, about it is it makes you, you know, there were warnings, it makes you blind, it gives you eye problems. <laughs> I never had problems with it. It was just, it's, put it this way, I bought that for my sister. I bought a few games. I tried it out a few times. I ended up being like, eh. And then a little while later at the KB Toys that we used to go to, they had yeah. an Atari Jaguar. See, this was back when I was very, very fascinated about all these obscure video game machines and everything. So KB Toys, after the Virtual Boy, 
had Atari Jaguars on clearance for $30. And they had a big, one of those big metal racks of all the, the uh, um, Atari Jaguar games on clearance for, it was a 5 or $10 each. And I'm like, oh man, I, and I got excited at the time. And I'm like, ooh, I can buy a Jaguar and explore this obscure thing. 64 bits and and, and I'm and I'm fl- I remember flipping th- I had the Jaguar machine ready to pay the 30 bucks. I'm flipping through the game. Ooh, what games can I buy? What games can I buy? And I was there for like 40 minutes flipping through all these games. And I'm like I'm putting this back because th- these all of these games are terrible. <laughs> and I put it back. I never ended up buying it because I knew from the Virtual Boy even though it's $30 I never played the game, so why am I going to buy it? I, I, I don't know. Anyway, that, that was the lesson that I learned from it. I ended up not buying the Jaguar on clearance. So what yeah. do you, so, so how did you, uh, why do you have a virtual boy? Why did you buy it? Well, you know, over the years I've had, you know, I've seen them in, in the, in the local, you know, game stores and online and things like that. And, um, you know, I was always tempted, but the the reason I never got one was because other than like four or five, maybe six, there weren't a lot of games released. Right. You know, it was like a dozen or so. Um, but other than maybe four or five, um, which in and of themselves are not cheap, they were in pot. You can get them. Like most of the games are very, very expensive. So... <coughs> I don't like investing in a console that I can't play all the games. So, so is, um, is there an EverDrive for the Virtual Boy? I'll get. I'm going to get to that. So okay. there have been multiple uh, versions of it that some of these people have released online. The problem is they were always too rudimentary, where you would have to basically take the cart, plug it into like USB on your PC, and load one game, uh. and that's it. One at a if time. If you wanted to change the game, you had to put it back into the PC. Mm. It was a pain. No, 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 no. So there's a guy who used to make those, and he came up with a new one, a new cart that uh, basically you, you put the games on an SD card, micro SD, you put it in. Um, and then what you do is, I don't know why, I don't know if there was some system limitations or something, he 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 was having problems like fully realizing the whole like on-screen menu to switch games thing. So what he wound up doing was he he in the cartridge itself he put in some kind of e-ink display, which I'd never heard about. Wow. Um, but basically, what the e-ink is, I guess they're used maybe for like comic books or stuff. But um, well, he puts a little L, like a little one into the cartridge on the back. And there's some little, like, buttons on the back of the cartridge. So what you do with it is you plug the cartridge into, like, a USB source. It could be, like, a charger. It doesn't matter. Just to give it some power. And then you can scroll through the menu. And when you select the game that you want, and then it loads. And some of the games will... load. The game load time is between, like, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds and maybe two minutes if it's a really big game. And once it loads, he has he actually loads a uh, um, an image, you know, like a like a a logo of the game is as on the back of the cartridge, and then you put it in the system and run it. So it's not 
it's not a true like superb multi-cart but it's i think probably the only thing this thing's gonna get for the next (laughs) x amount of years right so i ordered one of those things and uh but anyway so i've been looking the whole thing with the virtual boy is there's a couple of problems one is um there's a ribbon inside and this would happen on old game boys as well there's a ribbon inside that the glue would flake off, and then it, you know the screen wouldn't, the display wouldn't work properly. And there's a way to fix them. And um, so my intention was to get one that was like cheap, like beat up, and I'd have like digital press. I'd have the guy fix it. Um, but I, yeah, I just never pulled the trigger. And then eventually, uh, and then the other thing is the stands. They the actual will they they uh, they sell the the stand for the Virtual Boy, um, like a third party stand. Oh uh, really? Yeah, they sell the stand, but the problem is like the little logo piece on it that says Nintendo. Um, they don't sell those. Well, they do sell those, but they're three D printed. They look like crap. Um, but these stands, a lot of times, are broken. That's one of the things, like the, the, the display stand for the virtual ball, a lot of times it's cracked. This one's in perfect shape. And the other thing is, a lot of times people replace the, the like the foam uh, headpiece that goes... This may even be a, re, a replacement. I, I mean, I wouldn't care. But everything else on it is like original, and they had already fixed the internals. Hmm. Uh, so anyway, uh, I got it because I just had a lot of old stuff like old Saturn games and a lot of stuff that I was going to trade in anyway and I got a decent amount of trade in for it so it didn't cost me that much you know it cost me like 120 something after all the trade ins <laughs> yeah. which is a steal because you can't even get them like beat up and missing stuff for that much wow uh, the only bad thing is it's missing the AC adapter thing um and the AC adapter is the same one for the Super Nintendo. But the problem is there's like a tap thing that you plug into the back of the controller yeah. instead of the battery pack. Right. And they're kind of expensive to find. And the other issue is if you get the Japanese one, you can only use a Super Famicom power pack. Or you got to get an adapter for that because they weren't the same port. Uh, anyway, so... I'll get around to that at some point. But, yeah, there it is. I don't know where I'm putting it, but... There it is, the the Virtual Boy. All right, so moving on from video games. Let's speed it up. Go ahead. Uh, All right, so another thing, this is very quick. Um, Recently, there's, like, no baseball card stores left in this area. (laughs) Well, I I don't know if there's any anywhere. Uh, there are, but it's very, very few. So there's this one. This guy's been there for a while. It's called East Coast Connection. And uh, I went there a few weeks ago for, like, uh, I needed, like, uh, top loaders for, like, photos and stuff. And, like, sheets for, like, autograph cards. <clears throat> so I stopped in there. And um, while I was in there, there was a bunch of kids and they were like teenagers, and they all were like babbling amongst each other, like, "Are you gonna break it? You're gonna break it?" And I was like, "Break what?" So apparently, all people do now with trading cards is they buy like sealed boxes, a sealed wax box, that. And the big thing is to break them open 
So you break it open, you open all the packs to look for the inserts. Right. But it's not just about doing it like amongst yourselves. Everybody streams it now. <laughs> so th this is what they do. It's like it's all over the internet. It's like playing video games on the internet over like Twitch. And now all these people they open packs of cards right. on the internet. Like like an unboxing almost. Yes, right? exactly. They call it breaking. Wow. Do you remember? Uh, I'm sure we Nuts. talked about this, but do you remember back in the in the heyday when there was a trading card store every few blocks in our area? Yeah. The dealer, the the owners of the stores, and the dealers at flea markets and shows. It got so bad because you had mentioned the the insert cards, the special cards, right? It, do you yeah. remember it got so bad when we were collecting that these uh, sellers would literally have these these little scales that 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 could measure up to like a tenth of an ounce, and they would put one pack at a time on a scale. <laughs> okay, okay, a pack of uh, 1993 yes, upper deck yes. weighs 0.1 ounce. I'm making this up. Yeah. So point one ounce. Point one ounce. Point. Oh, this pack weighs point one one ounces. This ah. one has a special card. This pack has a special card. We're taking it out of the box. So all yeah. of us customers would go in and buy a pack. Like, oh, am I gonna? Oh, I didn't get a special card. Oh, I'll buy another one. Oh, am I gonna get? No wonder we never got the special card because they were cheating and taking them out. They were Listen, taking out the packs. I know, and listen, I will say, full disclosure, my father at, at our store never did that. Never. Good. Good. No, uh, I wasn't No, I wasn't were, trying to imply that. I wasn't trying to imply. I'm just, no, these I know, other but I'm just, yes. Shysters. There were, listen, there were plenty of stores that, the, the, the whole hobby was like full of, of characters and miscreants and everything, you know, <laughs> nuts. You know, most of the people, that most of these adults that were buying all these cards were compulsive gamblers. That's yes. why they bought them all. Yes, exactly. The other thing they used to do was eventually some of the inserts were like cut, like they would like have part of the card like cut away, you know, or whatever. So that what they would do is they would take their fingernail and like stick it into the side of the pack and like, oh, I feel an opening there. That's an insert. Yeah, die cut. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, it was it was It's crazy. Uh, I used cheating. to tell people all the time with people with the inserts, it got so bad. My dad would tell me if the if the the wholesale woman came by with new packs, new boxes, take them and like put them aside or whatever. Don't open them, and until I, until he got there, because the problem was these these old guys would come in and want to buy the box, and my right. dad would be like, "Well, I'm not going to sell. Why would I sell you the box? You know, if I'm if I'm gonna if I buy the box for twenty five dollars and I sell if I sell it by the pack." I'm going to get $60 retail for each pack combined. Why am I going to sell this box to you guys for $40 and lose money? You know, it makes no sense. Right. And they were so bad. Like, he wouldn't have, initially, he would give them a break, like on a box or two. And eventually, he's like, I'm not doing this anymore. It's just stupid. And it got, and it was so bad. Like, these guys would try and, try and get in with the distributor themselves. <laughs> And it was like arguments. And then it got really bad to the point where they couldn't even do that. And my dad would say, listen, the only way you're getting this is you would have to buy every single pack at, right. at full price. And they would do that! 
I know. And if were... that got so bad, he would say, listen, don't let so-and-so buy any of these. But because, like, when people, when other customers would come in, there'd be nothing left that was new. These right. mania, if you had three boxes of, like, say, the new Top Stadium Club or Fleer Ultra, they'd buy them all and open them on the spot. I know. Take out whatever inserts there were. And try and trade those and the and all the, the the cards that they got back to us for more. Why? So they could get more just to open. It was psychotic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Pieces of cardboard. We've talked about. Well, I don't know. We've talked about this. It was anyway, it was the so. same way when I worked at Electronics Boutique in the Man. late 1990s, early 2000s. It was the same way with Pokemon card packs. Regular, oh, yeah. Regular packs of Pokemon Bad. cards. Because the, the, the cards had just come out. It was the very first ones of Pokemon cards. Yeah. And um, so so the company itself, like, we would, like, I would open the store the next morning and, and I'll see what the notes were from corporate. And corporate would say, one pack per customer because we're finding <laughs> out. These shyster dealers would just go, they would just drive from EB to EB and buy up all the boxes. And then the children would come in and be like, we want to buy Pokemon. Sorry, we don't have them. And then cry. And it's ridiculous. Well, because the the inserts in that, it wasn't like, now, if you pulled an insert out of like Topps Baseball, I mean, it was worth something, but it was, like, physically useless. It was just a card. Right. But, like, for, like, Pokemon, because it was a game and the people played the game seriously, the insert was worth something in the game. Right. And so, you know, the people would want these things to, like, beat, to win the game. It made no sense to me, but right. that's that was the whole thing. All right, moving on. Yes. We move on. All right, so... Um, Okay, uh, real fast. Um, uh, another thing, uh, I, I was going to talk about some music stuff uh, on YouTube. So the first thing I know I, I found this a while ago was, uh, I don't even know who these people are, but they, uh, <laughs> who, somebody basically took, they took a clip of like uh, Metallica, you know, in concert, and they took the Huey Lewis and the News song, Hip to be Square. Right, and then yeah. and then they somehow like mashed it into Enter Sandman. Um, I guess Metallica <laughs> playing Enter Sandman yeah. or something like that, and it's basically like it's amazing what they did. They made like the melody like it's like a one to one, hip to be square <laughs> Enter Sandman. It's like it was like illuminating. Like wow, did they steal this from from Huey Lewis?
Uh, how would someone even think? How would someone even make that connection? I don't know. I guess if they heard it enough times and they were just like, wait a minute, this, this sounds similar. Like if I slow this down and, and do some things, I don't know. It was kind of cool. All right. <laughs> and, and then the other thing, I, and I'll put a link to it. And then the other thing I'll, I'll, uh, I'll talk about is I found this the other day. Is this YouTube channel slash, you know, musical group uh, called Scary Pockets that I had not. And, and of course, I found this through Lake Street Dive. Uh, Rachel Price, the lead singer, did a did a did one of the songs with them. So with these people, they've been doing this for the last several years. So what they do is uh, they like funkify songs. So they'll take like uh, pop hits from like the 80s, 90s, 2000s, you know, Madonna or uh, I don't know, uh, Britney Spears or NSYNC. And they'll like, they'll play them as like, like a funk song. And then they'll, they'll get like the, uh, the guest. So they're, they're musicians, but then they, they ne they're never really the vocalist. So they'll get a guest vocalist and the vocalist is usually, usually... You know, like a YouTuber or somebody that, like, sings in, like, Broadway or things like... I mean, they're very... These people are really, really good. They're excellent. And... Uh, but they're not... They're people that just never became, like, recording stars. But they have tremendous voices. Um, now, there's some... I mean, sometimes they get famous people, like I said, Rachel Price. Or... or um, they, they A few times they got Darren Chris, who is an actor, singer... You know, he's got some notoriety. Um, but they do that. And then they also take, like, heavy metal songs and funkify those. And there's even cases where they've taken, like, R&B songs. You know, like Aretha Franklin or Diana Ross. And then they've played those. And, uh, I, I, I mean, it's... It, I mean, it's... They're, they're excellent. And it's amazing how many songs that I personally despise. You know, in sync. <laughs> Let's, for right. instance, or something. And they actually turn them into like really good songs, and then the and the lyrics actually work. Like the lyrics actually, you you you're listening to this, and I'm like, man, these lyrics are pretty good. They're not just some stupid you know pop song. And they do a great job. And I think I've I must have listened to fifty songs or sixty songs in the last couple of days, and it's uh, really good. Scary pockets. All right. Scary Pockets. I'll play the one, uh, the I think it was a Sweet Child of Mine. I think they did a... No, they did a, a Guns N' Roses that I had posted the link for. I don't remember who the heck it was, but uh, one of the Guns N' Roses songs they, they did. Uh, very, very good. Yeah, Sweet, that, they're very, and, Sweet and the, Child of Mine. That's what Yeah, you're... which was not even... That wasn't even a Guns N' Roses song, right? That was... Uh, who did that originally? Or, or was it? Uh, yeah. No, I think yeah, that was. Yeah, that yeah. was. I'm thinking. You know what I'm thinking of? Uh, um, knocking on knocking heaven's on heaven's door. door. Um, anyway, yeah, knocking. They do a few Dylan songs. They make them listenable. Yeah. But anyway, what I was going to say was, this group actually toured. They used to tour up until you know pandemic. Mm. I would have gone to see them. Yeah. <laughs> They're, 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 I think they're actually located in Southern California, but uh, they were touring all over the country. 
Scary Pockets. Did you have anything, or we're going through my list? Um, yeah, nah, that that was it for me. All right. Uh, real quick. Um, recently, I rediscovered this horrible TV show called Half Nelson. Why? It has nothing to do with wrestling. Why? Why? I, I know. Somehow, I found this. So. Basically, this show was a failed, you know, this happens all the time. It's a failed show from 1985, and it starred Joe Pesci and Victoria Jackson. That's so bizarre. And who I mentioned last episode, The Hammer, Fred Williamson. And. And, um, but anyway, so. And Bubba Smith. Was he in that? I don't yeah, know. according to Wikipedia. Yeah, whatever. And, they had uh, guest stars. And Dean Martin. Yeah, he, he was on it for like five minutes. So basically what this show was, this show was like, I don't know, like like uh, Joe Pesci is an actor slash like private eye. I, it's very, maybe a cop. I difficult to follow. Uh, <laughs> but so basically like he gets, you know, there's these like jams that he gets into and stuff like that. It's like half comedy, whatever. The show is awful. Yeah. Like, I watched, like, one of the episodes. It is... And and so somebody put, like, every... Like, all nine episodes up. It, it is putrid. <laughs> and the only reason I bring it up is... Oh, first of all, Victoria Jackson is awful. It's just yeah. a terrible actress. Right. But the only reason I bring it up is... In this move... In this show, the Joe Pesci style of character is basically what he did in my cousin Vinny. Right. It's basically the same guy, which is the, you know, actually I thought was neat about it. Yeah, but, but isn't that what that, he's terrible. Isn't that what he does in everything? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I'm walking over here. Hey, you think I'm funny? No, Come no, on, no, 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 hey. no, no, no. But, but you gotta Do think, you like at the say? time. Yeah, but at the time, like his acting, he did like Raging Bull. Right, where he's like a maniac, and uh, or <laughs> yeah. he did um, well. He was in Easy Money. He was like a goofball, but like his career was nowhere at the time. This is years even before like Goodfellas. But I'm just saying, it's like the same. But it's like the same character, you know, like a wheeling yeah. dealing kind of a guy, not just like a mafia like nasty guy. Hey, I'm 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 Leo Getz. Whatever you want, Leo Getz. Get it? Hey. <laughs> well, that was years later. <laughs> What was Half Raging Nelson? Bull? What's Raging Bull? Is that was like bullfighting movie? No, that's the uh, Scorsese movie with De Niro. 
plays Jake LaMotta, the box boxer. Oh. In 1980, it won all these Oscars. I don't know. I, like, <laughs> before my time. All right. And uh, speeding, you got to speed it up here because I'm starving. But wait, uh, why is it called why is it called Half Nelson? I have no idea. I okay. didn't look into it. <laughs> it's it's up to you to to guess. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, speeding up. All right. Uh, everything gets re rerun and brought back. So why not bring back the real world? Literally. Yeah. Which one? So they're bringing. <laughs> so on. The, I guess now it's it's called Paramount Plus, another streaming service. No, so they're bringing Siri. Wait, another streaming service. Well, it was it was originally the CBS All Access service. Uh, oh, okay, okay. So now they changed Paramount it. Plus. Okay, okay. still got to pay for it. Why did they change it? I don't know because because it's more than just CBS. I okay. what can I tell you? All right, it doesn't matter. By the way, so there's the point, Peacock. Do you have Peacock? Yeah, Peacock. That's NBC. Yeah. Do you have that? It has well, the, it's fr- it's free, but the new the like the new show, the new content, you have to pay. Saved by the Bell. Yeah, the remake, you the have new, to pay the premium. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't have it. I, again, I have too many. Is it as ah, it's too many streams? I mean, services, you know, if you want to, you could just do like a free trial and then cancel it or something. Ah, then I have to get. Then it's the email and they spam me and they. Ah. You know, well, it's the Paramount it's eventually I will have to do because there's a lot of Star Trek that I have to catch up with. Anyway, anyway, um, real world. So what they, the real world. So what they did was they took you know the first cast was um, New York, in New York. Yeah, uh, down in Soho they had the cast there, um, and I kind of I I mean I didn't really watch it that year. I kind of watched it in like reruns. I didn't like any of them. No. Thought they, I thought that they were just they were all like whiners and just eh. like all they did was argue and complain wasn't one of my favorite casts and then the one guy Eric Neese they converted him into like an MTV personality he was awful the guy had the guy was the guy had no per, like he would host videos and stuff like he had no personality at all terrible <laughs> hey I'm Eric Neese Using yeah, he was terrible. Video. And there was a uh, yeah, there was a um, there was a black guy on the cast who would constantly argue with this this woman who was from the south and call her racist. Um, uh, she probably and this was. other woman, Becky, who was like always drunk. <laughs> um, but you know, know just, you know why I don't like the real world. Because it started this whole reality TV nonsense. <laughs> Garbage. Yeah, bad. But anyway, but listen, this was still when the real world was actual people. Like, stuck living together and stuff like that. It wasn't just... They weren't there to just get wasted. <laughs> you know, and just had, there's no point to the show. Oh, okay, there's six people wasted all day. Who cares? <laughs> um, anyway, so they took these six people... And they brought them back to the same exact apartment building oh. uh, on Broadway in Soho in New York City, and like refurb, like furnished it the same way and all. <laughs> um, and they did this last year during the pandemic, so they're really stuck in the house together. True. Yeah. And I, I saw the I saw the trailer for it, and it's it's stupid. I mean, it's like they're all sitting around again, like arguing, and it, 
And they're just it, it, the thing that really like caught me off guard is how old they are now. <laughs> well, the original was uh, 25, 25 years ago, more than no, twenty seven. Nineteen ninety two. Yeah, oh, so twenty nine years. Almost thirty. Ago. Yeah. And, and this cast, like like I said, later on by like around two thousand ninety nine two thousand, the cast were all college kids. They were wasted all the time. These people, some of them may have been younger, but a lot of these people were like like mid to late twenties. So mm. now they're like well into their fifties. And look it. Well, yeah, late fifties, yeah. Yeah. So that that's that was the first thing that kind of took me off guard was caught me off guard. I was like, man, they're so old now. Um <laughs> But uh yeah, that is that's weird. That's weird. I can't wait till they do the one with Puck. <laughs> oh, jeez. What was that? San Diego or no San, San Francisco. Francisco? That's what. Yeah. yeah good old Puck. Who they you kicked had, off the show. You had uh, you had Real World, and then after a few years, you had Road Rules, and then and then after a few years, yeah. you had Real World versus Road Rule, and I'm like, I'm not yeah, the watching challenge. This. It just got out of control. Dan Cortez and. Like MTV well, he Sports. wasn't. He was an MTV guy. He wasn't on those shows. No, but like MTV Sports. He, he remember he yes. had that show and it was so ninety. Daisy Fuentes. Daisy Fuentes. I loved her. <laughs> Nobody knows who we're even talking about. They should know who these people are. Daisy you know, Fuentes. I, big. Listen, MTV at that time was enormous. Everybody knew who these people were around the world. Huge. Cindy Crawford was huge from hosting uh, uh, that style show. Oh, House of Style. Yeah, House of Style. (laughs) I forgot about that. Love Cindy Crawford. How how could you not? Um, Anyway, and then last thing locally before we get to celebrity deaths. um, The Lowe's Jersey in Journal Square, Jersey City. Apparently, uh, there's a new deal for um, the I think it's the company that that owns the New Jersey Devils. Uh, that I think I think it's them. I think they're going to go in there and spend like seventy million dollars to finally uh, revamp it into like a live, a true live event uh, uh, building, like you see in so many places now around the area. You know, where it's like every town has, you know, Asbury Park and Red Bank and. Inglewood and Brooklyn and Queens and Yonkers. Like every town has converted one of these old theaters into like a live event venue. And now they're finally doing it with, with this place. Well, Montclair used to have the Wellmont. Yes. I don't that's not well it's the, still there. They they're they've also been refurbishing that one. Oh, okay. So yeah, the the Lowe's Jersey from nineteen twenty nine, the the Jersey Theater and um but is the company revamping it like in the original um, like restoration or or is it going to transform into some modern slick building and they're throwing out all the old stuff? No, no, no. I mean, the actual the actual like theater hall itself will remain intact. You know, they got to replace all the chairs and, you know, probably the backstage and thing like things like that. But they're but but they're preserving the original like what the volunteers have done like they're, they're uh, like like what i'm saying yes. is they're they're keeping it 1929 they're not gonna, like a year from now we're not going to walk in and be like what is this you 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 turned it into like a 
like a uh, like an AMC Lowe's or so. You know what I mean? <laughs> like a, like yeah. from today. I hope they keep it. I hope they keep it. Uh, uh, you know, to 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 nineteen twenty nine. All the all the no, work no, that, the that stuff will you know. Uh, that stuff will remain intact. I'm just saying that it, it will now be able to be used as the as the friends of Lowe's had wanted it. Oh, good. Okay, good. Yeah, that's great. That's good news. Yeah. So that's right. uh, I don't know when that'll be completed, but that's there. Um, celebrity deaths. Yep. All right, so we have. Why did that just do that? Okay, we have born February nineteenth, nineteen sixty-eight. Died February eighteenth, twenty twenty-one. Fifty-two years old. From the Fat Boys. <laughs> Prince Marky D. His name was Mark yeah. Morales. Yeah. I always thought that all the fat boys were dead. I evidently not. <laughs> he was. Uh, then he'll be dead now. So uh, again, no one's going to have any idea what we're talking about. So who were the fat boys? They were the fat boys were nineteen eighties uh, rap, you know, hip hop group. Yeah. Who you know eventually did some bad movies. And uh, yeah, they they were huge in the nineteen eighties. They were. They did a lot of beatboxing, and, uh, yeah. and, and and they had that uh, that hit song uh, version of Wipeout with the Beach Boys. They teamed up with the Beach Boys. Yes, yes. So uh, anyway, uh, Prince Marky D is uh, is dead. Yeah. So there's now one fat boy left. Uh, cool Rock Ski. Yeah, that's that's one group that never uh, revived or made a comeback or or anything. Nah, not just, really. How could they? Right? It's like it, it yeah. was of its time. You had to be there. Pretty much. Well, they were like again. They weren't like gangster rap. They were like goofy rap. Right. You know, which yeah. went, you know, they they it went out of style by the '90s, and nobody wanted to listen to any of them anymore. Yeah, yeah, by the early '90s. Yeah. Um, all right. Born December 13th, 1929. Died February 5th, 2021. 91 years old. Art Plummer, also known as Christopher Plummer. Canadian yeah. actor. Legendary actor from Sound of Music. And Plummer as well. I don't believe he was a plumber. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, a very a legendary, a legendary actor. Uh, I know him from also from Star Trek VI. He was General Chang. He quoted Shakespeare. Why was a Klingon quoting Shakespeare? It made no sense, but he did. Wait, but Ch he, Chang? Yes. He he was a white guy. He was a Klingon. Oh, all right. Um. What else was he in? No, talk bar, talk back. To be or not to be, Captain Kirk? That is the question. To be or not yeah. to be. <laughs> Remember the, the album? Yes. Quoting Shakespeare. 
Um, yeah, what, uh, what was his name? Uh, William Shatner's album where he's... Transformed Man. Yeah, he's quoting, done a bunch of them. <laughs> quoting Shakespeare. Next. Next. Born March 6th, 1944. Died February 8th, 2021. 76 years old. Singer Mary Wilson from The Supremes. Mm. Supremes. Very. I met her. She was very nice. Very nice lady. Um, yeah, that's it. Mary Wilson, the Supremes. Yeah, from the Supremes. Legendary, uh, you know, uh, R&B uh, soul group. A lot of Dana hits. Ross. Yeah, a lot of hit yeah. songs. R.I.P. Next one. Born November 1st, 1942. Died February 10th, 2021, 78 years old. Larry Flint. Mm. Now, who was this guy? Larry Flint. You know, he founded Hustler Magazine, the uh, the nudie mag. <laughs> so. They had a movie. Woody Harrelson played him. Oh, yeah. People versus yeah, Larry that... Flint. Right. Courtney right. Love. Who was the other guy uh, with the the other magazine guy who died? It was Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner. Yeah. Like what was what was with these guys? Playboy inventing nude magazines. I don't know. Hey, hey listen, it's freedom of speech. Larry Flint went up against the the government many times, and Jerry Falwell. That was his old foil. Was Jerry Falwell, and Larry Flint would do this thing where he would pay for. Uh, dirty, dirty uh, secrets that he would air about these like stuffed up right, you know, the Christian coalition people and the right wing and hypocrites. He was he was always outing them as being hypocrites. Yeah. Why was he in a? And then eventually, chair? and eventually, a Christian zealot shot him. That's why he was paralyzed. Ah, uh, well, then see, you answered my question. Interesting. Um, well, he's dead. Yeah, he's no dead. Um, and then last one for the episode. Born January seventh, nineteen seventy-seven. Died February first, twenty twenty-one. Forty-four years old. Died of cancer. Dustin Diamond. Dustin. Dustin Sweet. Neil Diamond. Dustin Neil Diamond, believe it or not. Oh, that's, come on, he made that up. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, so he played Samuel Powers on Saved by the Bell, a.k.a. Screech. Did did they ever uh, explain the origin of the nickname Screech? I don't think they did. And, like, he wasn't, he wasn't... He, he like he he didn't screech in in any of the episodes. Like he wasn't known for his screeching. So why did they? It's bizarre. But anyway, yeah, he played Screech on say on not only Saved by the Bell, but on uh, many of the spinoffs and <laughs> remakes as well. So uh, he's dead. Yeah, I don't him. know what happened there. We he, met uh, him. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting meeting. <laughs> Chiller. I thought he was nice. He was nice to us. 
Yeah, he was a nice guy. You know, he just, you know, he was, I felt like he was desperate for some attention, things yeah. like that, after Saved by the Bell. And, um, you know, they didn't, uh, they didn't include him on this uh, re- reincarnation. Right. You know, but um, I think partially because he kind of, you know, he, he came up with that book. It was like this expose where the the author like made up all this stuff about the rest right. of the cast and you know kind of slapped his name on it and then they got they were angry about that so well after Dustin Diamond died Mark Paul Gossler tweeted that he was a comedic genius yeah. so I, mean, that's, I, <laughs> I guess that's, it's a nice thing to say it's, it's a nice thing to say. But what's weird is, um, so we're, we've been watching Saved by the Bell on Hulu, because why not? <laughs> and it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. But then I watch clips of Saved by the Bell, the new class, on YouTube, where, where Dustin Diamond is old. He's, he's an adult now, and he's, uh, he's, but he's still Mr. Belding's helper or security guard or something like that. Yeah, he was like the he was like a vice principal, but he's acting like he's acting really weird and bad. <laughs> like like on, like on Saved by the Bell, he's like, oh, he, he played the nerdy outcast character, and and you know he was fine, whatever, he was fine. But then on Saved by the Bell, the new class, these clips that I'm watching, he's he's doing this weird voice and he's acting, he's like moving. Weird. I'm like, why is he? Who who's directing him to act like that? It's so bad who who thought that was a good idea to like to put on this affected voice and like I don't know it's just bizarre but anyway yeah it's, uh, it's um, uh, Dustin Diamond very and, and it was a sudden thing too it was uh, yeah cancer and it was uh, well the thing was I don't know cancer last year but they, apparently he had some big lump on his neck and, and like didn't get it checked out for a while. I don't know how long and it was too late basically. Yeah. Well, is, uh, is, is Lark Voorhees part of the reboot? I think that they initially, she wasn't and like, you know, obviously was like, what the hell? <laughs> and, uh, I think they eventually like taped some kind of video, with her, like it's just her in it. I haven't seen it, but, and that's it. <laughs> I don't know if Man. they plan to use her any more than that. I, I, I really don't know. But um, and of course, you know who I, got you know who else got snubbed? It's a building. Hey, 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 hey! What hey, is hey, going hey, on hey. here? <laughs> Why? Why do I don't know. Look? Yeah, I don't know if they'll bring him in at some point. If there's another season, I you know I have no idea. But they got a completely different principle. Why? 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 I mean, Belding is so old; he wouldn't still be principal. No, but like, I don't. Who cares? It's like superintendent. I don't know. Who cares? Just make up something. Yeah. Anyway. Oh well. Till next time. After telling me, no, I can't give you a few minutes for the podcast, I have somewhere to go, he then proceeds to babble for 15 minutes about nothing.
Well, he, and I should have well, turned on the recorder. He what he did was he took my program and he was trying to tell me how that if you write the word team in bubble letters, there really is an I in team. It made no sense. And I guess there is, but whatever. No, it's it's stupid. And then so I actually I turned my recorder on I think and I got him telling us this stupid bar joke. You gotta wait between each. You, can't count the right. you gotta wait till I finish to make it to make it fair for me too. Right. So you casually drink when he slams the shot back, and you just casually sip. The second one, he pounds it back, and you casually sip it. The second you're done, you take your first glass, turn it upside down, over the third one, and then drink your third one at leisure. You can't touch each other's glasses. Is the final rule. So the, the full bet is, I can drink three three pints of beer quicker than you can drink three shots. The only rule is you gotta wait per drink, so one one and one to make it fair, and you can't touch my glass and I can't touch your glasses. There's no no touching of each other's glasses. So you just drink your first one. He drinks his first one. Then if you want, you can just take your first glass, turn it upside down over his second or third. And he can't touch your glass. Now he can't drink that. You drink yours at leisure, and he bought them. Crap. Yeah. Trick him into buying you three beers. I'll have to remember that. It works. <laughs> well, thanks for the tip. Yep. And if the guys, if the guy gets aggressive with it, you just gotta stab him with an olive fork. You gotta remember that. And run. It's key. And run. That's Jersey rules. Right. Right. No, if you stab him, you don't. Have, he has to run. You've got the stabbing implement. <laughs> Let's see what's another phone. Yeah, I find a pencil works good too because no one wants lead poisoning and a puncture wound. True. Yeah. Tip from Dustin Dunn. Spread the love. Thank you. Yeah,